And welcome to Pints and Politics, the August 15th, 2019 edition. Pints and Politics is a bi-weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. Joining me tonight in the studio is our guest panel on all things political. First of all, I have a Peterborough This Week journalist and former mayor of Peterborough, Sylvia Sutherland, campaign manager, activist, and political watcher, Lauren Hunter, Curve Lake First Nation councillor and Ontario NDP Indigenous Peoples Committee chair, and father of brand new twins, Sean Conway. Congratulations, Sean. Uh, property manager and businesswoman Jenny Lancio, and editor, writer, and podcaster Donald Fraser. Thanks so much for joining me here in Studio A at Trent Radio. So much has happened since we last gathered in the studio that I feel I could run this program on four words. Uh, Tent City and SNC-Lavalin. Uh, usually we touch on all three levels of government, but tonight, but tonight we might be hard-pressed to get to two levels, the city and the feds. So let's start uh, with Peterborough. Now, because we have listeners outside Peterborough, could someone give us a synopsis of the situation unfolding in Victoria Park downtown, the site of Ten City? How did we get there or here and what has happened this summer including right up to yesterday and today Lauren. okay <laughs> there was like a pat there was a pointing of fingers yeah. Who's I, I didn't that? see Lauren, that Lauren was standing there everyone else stepped back <laughs> I, I didn't see that so to my understanding the warming room community ministries which had been holding uh, an an low barrier emergency shelter space in Murray Street Baptist Church uh, was told at the beginning of July that the lease was up because the church needed to make renovations to the space where folks had been staying overnight. And at that point, unfortunately, there was no uh, plan B for where people could go. Uh, and so they decided uh, to uh, pitch tents uh, at Victoria Park, which is downtown, which is actually part of the county of Peterborough property, uh, as well as on the lawn of City Hall and in various other parks uh, around the city. And what has happened since then? So I'd say there's been a flurry of activity by various levels of government to try to address uh, the immediate situation, which is to find emergency shelter for the folks who at the time was about 40 people who were no longer able to stay uh, at the Murray Street Baptist Church to find some emergency shelter for them. Various things have happened. Shelter providers, including the Youth Emergency Shelter, Brock Mission, Cameron House, uh, and other service providers like the United Way and a few others came together to try to open up additional spaces within the shelter system. Uh, So they did things like the youth emergency shelter actually moved folks uh, who were staying there, who were youth, uh, out into a different spot so they could open up beds to take people of all ages at the youth emergency shelter. Uh, And the city then uh, was able to make space available in the downtown library overnight where people could come and stay. And there's been a couple of meetings uh, to this effect of trying to come up with an immediate strategy and a medium-term strategy and a long-term strategy to address not only the, the need for emergency shelter beds and a low-barrier space, but then also uh, transitional housing, supportive housing, additional shelter beds, and the long-term affordable housing piece, which is really what I would argue is underpinning all of this. And that is my synopsis off the top of my head. Yeah. And, uh, thank you. And, and I think it's a very good synopsis, which leads us, I guess, in 
into a lot of discussion. <laughs> one of the surprising things I didn't know, and apparently no one at on the current city council knew, nor the county council, that there is no bylaw mm-hmm. controlling camping in Victoria Park, or in fact, any park. So we had that emergency meeting, which I would argue should have been held much earlier than it was. And then we had, this is just to throw a little fuel on the fire here. Then we had the announcement. <laughs> no, no, you did. Uh, but we then had the announcement yesterday by the mayor that the bylaw was not going to be enforced. That was on Tuesday. Right. Was it on the Tuesday? Library, okay. Yeah. Now, it that was an inappropriate statement, I believe, to make. I think how you enforce a bylaw can be determined. But under our system of government, you can't pass a law and then announce the next day you're not going to enforce it. I just wanted to say that. There would be other things we can discuss. And the long-term solution, one of the things, and I'll throw this out too, that concerns me, for example, Brock Mission is being built as we speak. And the majority of beds, the majority of accommodation there will be shelter accommodation. There will be a few independent living units. I think that should be flipped. And I think, uh, as we're looking, and I did a column on what's happening in Helsinki, but look to Medicine Hat, look many other places. Housing first, and not just for the people who are clean and who don't smoke and all this, but especially maybe for them. But uh, I I think really that ratio at Brock should be flipped before it's before it's completed. Anyway, I'll just throw that out. Donald. I think that. Oh, you got your own mic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you talked about about Diane and uh, the mayor. We talked about uh, Mayor Tarion and well, who you uh, interviewed today. Who I interviewed? Actually, I sat down. I sat down with Diane today, and I'm going to say I'll say this. Uh, I walked. I walked into City Hall. I walked into Sylvia's old office, uh, Mayor Tarion's office, and and you can you can see. You can see the effect that this issue is having on our current mayor. And, and we talk about how, okay, there's a bylaw made and then a, a hesitancy to enforce it. And I think the reason is, is that in the short term, and I'm talking about the very short term of Tent City and those tents in Victoria Park, there is no good political way out of this situation. Uh, if, if you say, okay, well, you know what, we're gonna, we're just gonna get rid of these people, and I don't even want to say these people, we're gonna get rid of people in this park. Uh, well, that's, that's disastrous, it, yes. politically, in one way. But at the same time, the, the area is, Surrounded by by residents uh, who are uncomfortable with what's going on, because not everything has been rosy in Tent City. There, there's not a, there's not a clean way out of this, and and I and I understand where I, where Diane is coming from, and and whether or not you agree with that course of action, I I, I think I think the I fact. I just don't think you say. I just. I, I just don't think you say uh, we don't enforce a bylaw. You have an option as to how you enforce it. And it is a very, very difficult. Somebody said to me, wait, I said, I'm just glad I'm not there. It is a very difficult situation. And, and, but I, I just, and we could question the need for that emergency meeting when it was held. It shouldn't have been held earlier, et cetera. But it is an extremely difficult. And I don't think anybody wants to go in with jack boots.
there. I would give uh, kudos, in fact, to uh, Warden J. Murray Jones, who, in essence, said the exact same thing, which was that the county passed the bylaw the, the next day, I believe. And, and his statement was that uh, they weren't interested in kicking people out of the tents immediately, that they were going to work with people, etc., but didn't say it the same way. And so I think probably threaded the needle a little bit better than, than was done. Um, and I just, and I, at the risk of sort of taking us off a different path, Sylvia, you mentioned uh, the housing first model that's in place in other communities. And so what's interesting is that Peterborough has fairly recently moved to a housing first model and that um, I had the, the the privilege of attending the, the earlier meeting with community leaders where city staff were able to come out and make a presentation about the capacity of the shelter system of the model that they've implemented and they really are, through things like the by name list, uh, are really trying to drive towards this housing first model. Uh, and so I'd say they're on the right path, but it's only been a few years, as far as I understand, that that's been the case uh, with putting that first. And so there has to be time for that to actually come into effect and to actually have an impact in the community. And unfortunately, this short-term crisis occurred while we're on the right path, uh, but it's still happening right and now. And there has to be the commitment, actually, Lauren, to follow that path. And they have an opportunity, it seems to me, with Brock Mission uh, what being built right now to to indicate their support of that path by making more of those units right. independent living and with a, a support of housing. Yeah. The interesting thing about that report in in Finland, there was a four-person committee. They worked quickly. The government bought in, etc. The name of the report, and I can't do it in Finnish, but it translates into English as my name on the door. Right. Mm. And that was a critical, and their names are on the door. And uh, that spoke both to humanity and the understanding of what that housing first model was really out to do. I, I, I should, uh, excuse me, just for a moment, I was remiss in my introduction. If you're not from Peterborough, indeed not from Ontario or not from Canada, this is uh, the problem we're discussing. It sounds like this is Peterborough's problem alone. This is across the country and indeed... The world. The world. And we're in late-stage capitalism. Uh, There's growing inequality, and uh, this is the situation as it's manifesting in Peterborough. Back to specific, I just wanted to deliver a short interjection, and then I will climb up, is that uh, Councillor Beamer uh, announced today that he wants them out of the park in 72 hours. And it seems a bit... My sense is evicted to where? Well, and that's the challenge, Bill, is that if you move people out of the specific parks, the one that's most visible is Victoria Park, certainly. But if you just move people out of that park without places to go, then they will just move to other places in the city where they may be a- they may be less able to access the social services that are in the downtown core. And there's been, I think, great effort made by uh, city staff to go in and to work with the folks who are there to um, break down some barriers, to uh, clear up some misconceptions. You know, early on when the library was opened, there were misconceptions out there about whether people could store their stuff there during the day or whether they had to pack it up and move it with them. Well, that's not the case. And in fact, they could leave it there securely during the day. Uh, whether people who had a no trespass order on the library could then access the library at night to stay. And in fact, they could. Uh, so there was 
there's been that work being done and it just, I would argue it needs more time. And what's interesting about Councillor Beamer's um, approach is that if you recall, Councillor Wright suggested something publicly uh, not too long after this all cropped up that he was going to pass a motion to evict people right away. And the community feedback, he uh, admitted in a, to the media when asked about it because he didn't move the motion. Uh, and he said that it was actually the community feedback that he heard from folks who were saying not right now, that Yes, we want to see that eventually, that that is what needs to happen, but we have to continue forward on a compassionate path. And it's messy, well, and this it, is what it looks like a, when we try to thread that needle. They had no bylaw, even if he had wanted to do it at the time, and I think there are other underlying legal issues which we're not aware of as to why they can't just go in and even now. Anyway. Jenny. I just I think it's important for me to commend the councillors that have come forward and taken a stand. Whether or not I agree with what they're saying or not, it, there has been radio silence, basically, from our councillors since this has gone on. And quite honestly, in particular, the two town ward councillors, and it's been a huge disappointment to me, have an opinion, any opinion. I don't care what it is, but say something. When we're talking about where we have to move people, of course, the big question is, where do we move them to? That always seems to be the big question. Right across the street, the armories are sitting there. They're sitting empty. They're not being used. There was some excuse they could only open the armories when it, like, I'm not even sure what it was. There, there comes a point where common sense needs to prevail, and there can be all the rules in place, and we only open the doors for certain reasons. But at some point, like, a little bit of common sense needs to prevail and doors need to get open and we need to allow these people places to stay because I don't think staying in the park is really going to be an option to them and like Lauren said, they're just going to move to other places. Really all we're going to do is relocate the issue. We're not going to resolve the issue. Right, Laura. If I can just speak quickly on the armories. So in order, because that is actually an active facility. So folks don't necessarily see the activity that's happening there on a daily basis, but there are people using that facility. Uh, and in order to open a military facility like that, the city would have had to have declared a state of emergency uh, for the federal government. They basically have to request to the province that there is a state of emergency that the city cannot handle on its own and requires provincial and federal assistance to deal with. So so they would have had to go to the province and then the province would have had to say to the feds, yes, we have a state of emergency and we need you to open up these shelter beds. So had this situation been happening in the middle of the winter when it was minus 40 out, I think there might have been more of an appetite for that. But at the at the moment, if you look at other city facilities, and I'm not to say that these are are great, but for instance, at the Evinrude, there is that community space on the one side. And so the, the city does have other facilities, whether they are right downtown or not, whether they're in the perfect location. I understand wanting to stay downtown, close to those services, but give people a bus pass or whatnot. There were other options at the city's disposal before getting to the level of declaring a state of emergency and asking for provincial and federal help. One, one of the problems that we that we have is that we we seem to be trying to put a solution 
on the short-term problem. And if you take a look at the diversity of people who are experiencing, experiencing poverty, who are experiencing homelessness, there is no one solution to this. Uh, there are people who are who, who need their privacy. Uh, you know, if you're thrown into a shelter situation uh, and you're on a cot and you're surrounded by a bunch of people, well, you're kind of at you're kind of at the whim of of what is happening in that room. Uh, there are people who can't be in there uh, for whatever reason. Uh, there are people who are mandated to not be close to other people. Uh, there are people who are just they feel like it's a huge loss if they're all of a sudden just lumped into one group of people. And the needs of any individual in our society from uh, from people who are living at the very top of our society down to the people who are struggling the most are diverse. And, and so saying, why don't we put people X is is a really tough thing. I, I recognize this will help a lot of people, but it's not going to eliminate the problem of people who need access to services and who aren't getting them and who are not going to fit into those situations that we are trying to mandate them into. Sure. You know, a lot of the time when we talk about issues of affordable housing, traditional uh, social services and outreach and things like that, we tend to think in very big ideas, and Donald sort of touched on that in that we remove a lot of the humanity that's involved in yeah. social services and in reaching out to people who do have barriers to traditional lifestyle. And we'll just call that a, you know, having housing being a traditional lifestyle. But really, um, housing is a human right. It's a human rights issue. It's definitely a human rights issue. But also another thing when we think about social services and housing and how we're going to come out of this, uh, people have the right to self-determination, which is yes. one of the core tenets of social work. People have a choice. Now, right now, there's no choices. And so we're stuck with an extreme situation and we're having to have our elected officials make reactionary policy. We should have, there should probably have been a parks bylaw 20, 30 years ago. Absolutely. That absolutely makes sense. Now to fumble it so that it's this reactionary thing now and it goes out into the media and there's you know misconstrued ideas about it it's a good it's a good idea you need a parks bylaw absolutely but it's not going to seem that way but if that just existed already that would be fine you know we get caught in difficult situations when we're forced to do something instead of planning ahead you know this is a this is a, a downloading of investment issues that's been happening for 30, 40 years with municipalities losing funding from the province, losing funding from the federal government. And, you know, I will give kudos to the federal government for investing in a Habitat for Humanity project, which which is great. Uh, but, but we needed more of that 25 years ago. Just very quickly, uh, uh, picking up on a couple of things. Uh, one thing Sean said particularly, and that's the issue of choice. Medicine Hat Alberta is another example where, where uh, Housing First has worked, is working. And people, I gather, if you're homeless for 10 days, they're going to find you a home. And you are given a choice in Medicine Hat, I understand as to what that home will be. Now, they obviously have the facilities and the, and the infrastructure in which to do that. Peterborough doesn't. The other thing, uh, uh, Lauren mentioned uh, moving people to the armory right now. Well, uh, there are obviously difficulties with that. But looking in the long term, and we have to look. I mean, the long term, we should be looking. We should have been looking a long time ago, and I <laughs> mea culpa. But there's another building over there right beside the armory. It's called PCVS. 
Now, it's part of it's rented out. I don't think that I don't think a lot of it is. I could be wrong in that. A fair amount. Well, and, but and, be, and there's daycare in there as well. Okay, is, but just let me finish. It'd be easier to relocate. You're, you have King Edward's King George School. It's going to be vacant. Um, it'd be easier, it seems to me, to relocate those uh, organizations that are running space in PCVS right now. Because it seems it's in a good space, it's a good building, we need a lot of inf- refitting, but that's fine. It'd be easier to move people out of there than, uh, you know, yeah, everybody says, well, there's a daycare. Well, the daycare doesn't have to be there. I think the city, and it, they'd have to have the agreement of the board, which may not be easy to obtain, but on the other hand, you can put pressure on, the province could put pressure on. Uh, PCVS is in a good location. It's a big building. It could it could prevent it could provide housing first units for a lot of people, and there's also be space in there for the the supports that you need for office space. So, and I, I throw PCVS as a. I, I have talked to a couple of of councillors who have talked about school properties that have. Be, are becoming vacant in the next couple of years, and I'm not going to say who it is because because these things aren't official, and I, and I don't want to, to yeah, get anyone in, in trouble. Well, what what it means is I think that there's probably an ability for the city to work with the school board to utilize these schools that are being closed due to low <coughs> due to low enrollment. And I think Lord. our challenge here as a, a panel of pundits is that uh, <laughs> we don't, we are not in those rooms having those conversations. And so I would be very surprised to hear that city staff and or the mayor's office and or others had not already spoken to the board, had not already spoken to, you know, it sounds like, and I will give a lot of kudos to city staff who I think are doing uh, the level best that they can to try to find a sustainable path out of this that has, you know, compassion at the core while still respecting public safety and everything else that they need to do. Uh, and I would be very surprised to hear that there was a tree that they had not yet shook, including PCVS, including the armories, including you name it. I think they've knocked on that door. But you take the board's first reaction, since it's no longer just a Peterborough board, it's first reaction of the Board of Education is probably going to be no. Well, there are times you don't take no for an answer and you put pressure on. And I have no doubt at all that the board has said, no, no, wait a second. Well, why can't it? And I think, uh, and I, I agree with you. I think city staff has, has done a, you know, an admirable job in an almost impossible situation. But you've got to, you've got to pursue things. Yeah, I, I would agree with what Sylvia says. Like at this stage, you know, just taking no and heading on down the road isn't an option. The whole, you know, having to declare any um, emergency, state of emergency, it sounds like a bunch of political mumbo-jumbo red tape to me. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's not the reality. I'm just saying like it sounds like a bit of nonsense to me. There is a perfectly good space on Charlotte Street that was the Good Life Fitness that is privately owned. It is sitting vacant. I know that they've gone at the landlord once to try to approach them, if not more than once. Like in my mind, there there needs to be a little bit more brainstorming done as to how I th- I my understanding is that the private landlord's biggest fear, of course, is that that space is his investment and it's not going to be given back to him in the same state that it was handed over. Right now, the city is not paying any money to run the Brock Mission. It's not paying any money to to run the warming room. They should be underwriting that space. They should be guaranteeing to the private landlord that if they're allowed to use that space, that the city will turn it back into the exact condition that it was given to them in. There are all sorts of ways around no. Ah.
Now, I'd just like to segue to another issue that is tangentially related, yet it's sadly becoming more of a reality in downtown Peterborough. Uh, now, let, let, let me confess, and we were chatting about this in the kitchen before the program, before we went on air here. Having grown up in Montreal and lived in Toronto for a few years, a uh, few decades, I, I am somewhat jaundiced in my, when I hear uh, Peterborians, native locals, complaining about traffic congestion. I say, yeah, really? This is congestion? Yeah, Have you ever... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, and another confession. Something in the past... It's getting it, nasty over here. Yeah, yeah. They're already putting stickers on their vehicles. Yes, yes. It's, it's getting nasty. Now, uh, another confession. In the past, I've had the same cynical reaction to hearing some locals express their fear of going downtown because of the perceived threat of violence. Now I'm having to eat my words. Just because it doesn't happen to me doesn't mean this violence is not real. I mean, I'm a tall, older male with a value village wardrobe. Usually I'm on a bicycle, so I'm not, a, I'm not worth mugging. But, <laughs> you said but, that. Yeah, but what's going on downtown? I, you know, there have been some stabbings, as uh, alluded to, and what should happen about that? Because this is not the Peterborough that uh, certainly was extant ten years, five years ago. It's changing. What's going on? Well, I, I think I think the the comparison that you put with with traffic is rather interesting, because one of the things I, I've long said about Peterborough is that we, for a long time, we were a, a, a town with city aspirations, unless anything that came along with the city, i.e., poverty, traffic, uh, any of the downsides occur, then it's my goodness, what is happening to Peterborough? Well, it's becoming a city, and. and <laughs> This, this is this is this is a situation yeah. that I think that we have to take a look at as as the population grows as our infrastructure becomes more stretched we are going to end up seeing things like you know traffic snarls we're going to see an increase in 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 crime we're going to see an increase in violence these things happen in, in urban areas Peterborough has existed in this strange little bubble where we're, we're we're not really close to any other major urban centers we're not really part of, of the golden horseshoe uh, we are we're a small city isolated from everywhere else so I, I think that our, our lack of our lack of traffic our lack of, uh, of violence our lack of stresses on our infrastructure our lack of stresses on our social systems were a result of this unique situation that we were in uh, but we're not we're not staying that way we we are growing and, and things are growing uh, and those stresses are going to happen it's the same reason why why someone like Sylvia was looking at the parkway as a huge need for the city when traffic really wasn't an issue. You know, you can plan ahead, but you have to implement the plans. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to, I'll go on later. Because Jenny, go ahead. Um, I live downtown in the core. My husband runs a business downtown in the core. I am not unnerved in the core. Are there things going down on downtown that I don't think are great or that are unsavory? For sure, but I don't feel nervous to go downtown. Yeah. I do, however, work with an entirely seniors population. Absolutely none of them want to go downtown, and it all comes down to optics. The optics of it are that it is unsafe. They are yeah. not going to, they are not risk takers. They're not going to yeah. risk that they're going to go to the bank and get mugged when they come out. I keep saying to them that chances of that happening are slim to none, but they're, they're just not going to do it. So then, you know, they're talking to their friends at church. They're talking to their friends at coffee. And then, you know, it becomes like broken telephone. Downtown is unsafe. I knew somebody that this happened to. I heard about this happening. Yep. And then nobody wants to go downtown. 
I was giving I, I gave culinary tours of downtown Peterborough for for almost a decade, and before every tour, I would talk about the downtown core and the importance of the downtown core and how a healthy core is essential to a to a healthy city, uh, and I would talk about the the myths of of crime and violence and dirty and you know people would say what. You know, uh, but I read about you know the violence in the paper and you know the editorial skew of, of Peterborough downtown being rather tough, and and I would talk them through this and and say, listen, if you're outside the junction at two o'clock in the morning, chances are you're going to see some violence. But walking around downtown Peterborough, it, that doesn't really seem to be the case. And and what happened? You know, these people, I'd take them around Peterborough downtown, and and you'd see these little light bulbs going off, going, oh, this is actually a a, a, a little jewel down here. Um, so there, there does need to be uh, a better representation, I think, of, of downtown in order to make people comfortable. Well, down, downtown is changing. I was mayor of the city for 15 years. I never had a week when you had three or four stabbings in the downtown of, of Peterborough. And I'm not, you know, I'm not. And if you leave the streets open, if you if people stay off the streets who should be on the streets, the people who shouldn't be on the streets are on the streets, and that is sort of what is happening. And I'm not prepared to give up on the. But I think you, uh, we do need perhaps a bigger police presence downtown. I'm not talking about the park downtown and, and crime on on George Street and, and the central core of the city, because I think people are. With some reason now, a little nervous. I have a friend uh, who lives downtown now, has and walks everywhere downtown. She's an older woman and uh, very active, and not a woman to get nervous easily. But she's beginning to feel uncomfortable. So, I, I, but we don't give up on it. We don't say just because we don't say, "Well, we're becoming a city, and all cities aren't like this." All cities aren't like uh, aren't full of crime. And aren't full of traffic congestion. Oh, there's a certain amount no, of traffic no, congestion. No, but, but if you take a look at the rates, they, they do. There, okay, there's, there's a correlation what, what between. Are, what, are the, what are the, I don't know, I, I haven't done the math on the percentage of stabbings the last few, few days in the city of Peterborough. Yeah. Uh, and I suspect it's gone off the chart compared to where it was. Yeah, for but sure. we, And we don't give up on it. We act to try to prevent it, and we do encourage, you know, people in the downtown. We're but you just, have to understand why they're not there. We're just going to take a short 30-second musical break, and we'll be right back with part two. (laughs) 